Hi, and welcome to Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix, Editor-in-Chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine, and this is Talkward, a fun little uh, podcast where professionally funny people come to tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. I'm excited about today's guest because I've never met her before, but she's doing the Guaranteed Delivery stand-up show next week. Claire Parker. Thanks for coming on the show, Claire Thank Parker. Thank you so much for having You're a stand-up comic. Yes, I am. Uh, you act in all kinds of fun comedy uh, projects. I'll do... My thing is I'll do. I'll say yes to almost anything. If somebody You'll were... you say yes to... Well, that's how I got you to do this I will show. literally say yes to anything. If somebody were to tweet at me and be like, I have 10 minutes for you in my basement in Pennsylvania, I'd be like, I'm getting on a bus. Sounds <laughs> I'll meet good. you there. I'm performing for my mom and a pet iguana. I'm there. <laughs> I'm performing for my own death, but hey, stage time is stage time. Um... So you've been doing stand-up for how long in New York City? I'd say I started in New York. I've been doing it for about four years. I started right after college. And then I would say there was kind of like a year. Where'd you go to school? I went to Columbia. So I was in New York. Ooh. I, yeah. Fancy. I know. I'm sorry. Has it been nothing but a disappointment? So what happened? Sense? Yeah, that's the question. And now I'm like a receptionist. And I, I, work at, I work in finance. And I was talking to one of the interns. I could tell he was like really in that kind of college intern mindset of like everything matters. Every grade matters. If you don't get the perfect job at 22, you'll fail. Wow. And he found out I went to Columbia. And the look on his face literally was just, are you hurt? Are you sick? Like what, what went happened? wrong? Aww. What went wrong is I had a dream and somebody let me follow it for some reason. <laughs> what was that dream? Oh, comedy? Comedy. No. Oh, that's you. It's four years. It's four years. It's not, I mean, yeah. No, I, it's fine. I don't You're regret it. I look at my, great. And I don't, I look at my friends who would. Where were you this morning on, on a much bigger show than this? I was, yes, I was on You Up with Nikki Glazer. It was, no, I mean, it's fine. I don't regret it. And I'm happy every day. And I don't even mind my day job. I'm, ha- But it is funny when I'm sitting there like filing things. I'm like, wow, my friends are like pretty pretty professional and they're, they they yeah. have vacations and vacation homes yeah. <laughs> yeah. they have lives and partners and things yeah they can go on trips and <laughs> they get manicures and go out to eat manicures and pedicures I can- both <laughs> dare to dream yeah one day yeah if i get to the oscars maybe i'll splurge for a pedicure <laughs> did you watch did you watch the oscars i was on a plane um i literally turned it on for one second on my plane ride and Gwen, not Gwen Stefani, Lady Gaga was yeah. singing Shallows. And I was like, is this the only thing that's happened in this country this year? Like, it really was like it I turned is. it on for one minute. And I was like, was she singing this song for the last four hours? I don't understand how that could be. It was so a hot performance. I've seen the stills. Her and uh, Bradley Cooper together on stage. It was like everybody simultaneously, like, orgasmed across the United States. It was, yeah. It's, everyone got kind of quiet and like, yeah, I and mean, I've the, seen the stills and the way they look at each other. It's hot. <laughs> I like. I'm, I'm actually a huge celebrity relationship conspiracy theorist. I think almost 90 percent of relationships in Hollywood are fake. I don't believe that him and Irina, Irina Shayk even have a baby together. Like, I really think the whole thing is. Well, she broke up farce. with her fiance, is what I heard. For him. Well, there's speculation, but even uh, if it's not, see, even if you're saying that, my feeling is, even if it's not for him specifically, it's because she's now comparing everything to him. And it's like, well, you're no, you're no Bradley Cooper. Oh, you're talking about Lady Gaga, not yeah. Irina Shayk. Okay. No, is that Bradley Cooper's wife? Nobody even knows. Yeah, that's her name. That's her his girlfriend's name. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're fine. I don't believe they're a real couple. So that's why I feel like it's not... People are really worried about her feelings after that emotional, romantic performance. And I don't even think that they're... I think it's a it's contract. Acting. I think it's a contractual obligation both to both women. I don't think... I think Bradley, I've heard... I know men who have had sex with Bradley Cooper. So I. it could very well be oh. that he's gay and this whole thing is a farce because he feels he needs to hmm. it's hollywood people everyone can have sex with everybody yeah. else but it's like the roman empire yes just exactly. have fun i do yeah it's just there's no rules out there eh. 
it's all fine. hedonistic. Everyone's having sex with everyone. <laughs> it's like everybody who is contri- uh, c- c- contractually obligated to pretend to be dating uh, Ryan Seacrest. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, you he's know? so scary. I would. He's like a robot man. He, yeah, and he like owns like the whole all of it. You're watching the pre-show of the Oscars, and he's there, and he's always on. He's on everything. You're like, why is it that this guy? Is the host of everything now? Like who? Because decided? he owns. He's like the executive producer of everything. It's he's Why? deciding. Why is he but deciding? I, even, I know. I used to work in PR. I was like an assistant at a like a global PR firm that did corporate PR. They had like seventy five offices across the globe, and they were being undermined by a one hundred person company owned by none other than Ryan Seacrest. That's the, how powerful he is. That's the that's the same company that makes the Kardashian show. Yeah, right? it's like his production company, but now right. they've gone into like PR and advertising because they have all the celebrity clout, yeah. and that's all that ads are anymore. It's like all Instagram influencer stuff. So he's like, yeah. he's taking over like so many more. It's like those fuck Jerry people. Yes, from exactly. the from the Hulu and exactly. The that Netflix, then they do ads the, and stuff. The fire they, festival. You think they're just all fun and games and memes and stealing, but then they're secretly yes rolling out launch plans for like corporations. Yeah, so that's. That's the right. So that's what's going on in your head all day. Well, I'm just like, I don't, yeah. Ryan Seacrest is somebody I would not fuck with. <laughs> He's right? Like, He's like a demon. I'll say anything about anybody to their face behind their back, but not Ryan Seacrest, because I really do believe that, like, people are worried about Putin and stuff. No, 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 no. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest is going to take over this entire planet while we're not looking. I think he takes off his face. Oh. Like, it's like the whole thing is just like a oh, fake Oh, for mask. sure. Yeah. What do you think he is under there? Like a robot, an alien, a cyborg, a demon? Maybe. It could be an alien. He could be like the beginning of a of an overall uh, overall like infiltration mm-hmm. of the galaxy. He could be a like a spy. Yes, like an alien spy. That, I'd be fine with that if he was like a lizard, like a, has like a lizard face. Yes, it would I, make sense. It would make sense that I would be happy that I lost to like a, a superior being. It'd be hard for me to just think like, oh, this like that guy has better ideas than me. Like that guy knows how to produce <laughs> television. I can't figure it out. But if I was like, oh, he's like from a superior like race of aliens i'd yeah. be like well they had the, they had the jump on us the jig is up what yeah. they, they already traveled the universe to get here of course they built the kardashians by hand they did <laughs> when you started doing did you start doing stand-up comedy when you were in college at columbia no so when i was in college the genesis of that was kind of like i started a blog i'd say my senior year that did better than i i mean it didn't do well by anybody's true standards but better than i had expected and it kind of became a little cult classic among my college grade what was it a blog about comedy it was not about comedy it was just like a funny it was just a funny like blog. humorous little blog post okay. about like my life and the experiences and stuff i'd like satirize like fashion blogs i'd make fun of like the in- like trying to find a job like anything in my life that i was coming across and then once that i like really was like oh this is what i want to do like this is what i love and this mm-hmm. is what i've always wanted to do so i wanted to be a tv writer and i truly had no idea how to even begin approaching that it felt very like there's like a high barrier to entry and then I found out you can't even apply to things without representation and I I just was like well I don't know how to begin that but like stand up that's something I can go do tomorrow and then I would say I guess in September I went to my first ever open mic and uh and then it took me it took me about a year I'd say to like situate the rest of my life in a way that I could like set up my day-to-day life in a way that I could continue pursuing comedy long term but then, oh, but over the, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then I'd say by the next fall, I yeah. had kind of figured out a day job situation, a living situation, the even just the schedule of mics in a way that I was like, okay, now I'm doing this. What are your favorite mics to do? I've, uh, I go to a lot of stand-up shows and I have like favorite little mm-hmm. places I like to, to hang out in. And it seems like, well, did you start out doing open mics? Yes. So 100%. the best open mic mm-hmm. that I saw that I've been to. Because I'm, well, I, I have a small world. Because I, I, I'm in Park Slope, 
and I'm mm-hmm. I don't like leaving my like two block radius in Park Slope. So I like going to Halyards. Halyards is great for me because I'm in Williamsburg and I work in Manhattan. So Halyards was always a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah, I've gone to that and had a great time. I try to I tend to stay very L based. I when I started I I started the Grizzly Pear Lantern Circle and like yeah. that kind of three block radius of comedy like comedy seller adjacent yeah like spin-off wannabes like in that yeah. world and then when it got taken over by laughing buddha which is um like an open mic company i left because it became pe- paid mics and i just like honestly could not afford i was doing three or four mics a day so you spend. had to pay to perform mm-hmm. so some so laughing buddha is a company where it's like it's a five dollar to sign up plus a drink minimum and it's kind of for people who either don't know better or are kind of doing it as a hobby because i mean in order to have i if you're doing three mics a day and you're now spending $5 to sign up, $4 on a seltzer, $1 for tip. That's $10 a mic. You can't really afford – I can't afford to do $150 a week on mics. You yeah. know what I mean? And I don't think anybody who's seriously pursuing stand-up at the rate that most open mic New Yorkers are can. So it is – you go and it's a weird group of like new people and then like – men who just had babies and like hate their wife and are now like oh no i never pursued my hobby like it's like a lot of people are I'm like you shouldn't be here <laughs> it's too late for you dude <laughs> like it's very like they come once a week they Some have people a, are very sc- a I graphic went to the design mic. job i had an intern this summer and she was from uh, a very small country uh, town in georgia and she was out in the big city for the whole summer because she was my intern. It was very fun. And she was doing all these fun things. And one of her goals was she wanted to do stand-up comedy for the mm-hmm. first time. So she was writing uh, jokes and stuff. She had never done it before. We went to Halliards for their open mic. It's very supportive. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. And it, the crowd was really cool. And there was and it was a high, you know, huge variety of, of talent levels when you go to an open yes. mic. Because a lot of times it is people who are real comics. Yeah. Maybe we're just trying something out. And they're trying to get like a feedback from... Mm-hmm other work in comics not to go and go you know so there were people who were really good and then there was like there was a guy that was so scary he was like six nine he mm-hmm. was so tall and he had this crazy hair and you thought it was like kind of a he was doing kind of a shtick character that was just like a scary guy mm-hmm. and you thought it was going to break at some point and be funny and it just got scarier and scarier and people just didn't make a noise because they just didn't want to draw any attention to themselves and then he just kind of left and it was all about open mics are wild (laughs) it was all about like murdering his girlfriend and dragging her body down it was it was really there was no punchline it was just dark and we were like uh, I always tell people if you want to see someone have a breakdown in four minutes or less, go to like an Eastville <laughs> open mic. And that's a cool thing. Like in New York, there's so many different mics, and I they all are very different, and I think they all serve different purposes. And I don't think you should anyone should ever just go to one open mic or one type of open mic. I know people will come up and be like, "What are the most supportive open mics?" And I don't think that that's the way to do it. I don't think you should only there's because I mean, there are a handful of open mics where like yeah. the kind of the cool kids go and the people who are. They're not just starting out. They're a couple years in and they have a footing and you go and everybody's pretty good. And you get mm-hmm. two minutes. It's rapid fire. It's kind of sceney. And that's a great mic for a very specific purpose, which is to come show off the latest material that you've finished in open mics, like yeah. the material that's good for a show and kind of showcase it to comedians that are at your level or a little bit better to kind of show that you've been growing and what you have to do. And then you could get like booked off. Like people will see you and be like, oh, that was a great joke. And then you also have to go to the shitty mic because you can't go to a mic like that and try something legitimately new that you don't know and bomb because yeah. People are going to take away that memory. And then I, but there's like 4 p.m. open mics where there's two people, nobody's listening. One of them's homeless. You get seven minutes. It's the middle of the day. 
and it's terrible and you won't get a like nobody on the planet could go in and get a laugh but i yeah. think that's just as valid in terms of sometimes you just have to talk for seven minutes and seven minutes in this town it's is just rare. holding the mic holding the mic it's hearing it out your, loud yeah getting your beats getting yes, your exactly. pauses sometimes in in your head everything sounds funny and then you say the words and you're like i don't even know that this is a coherent thought yeah like, sometimes you really do just have to say something out loud and see what part of the idea is funny or see where it goes or see if you even feel comfortable saying it. Sometimes you'll have an idea that is maybe pushing the boundaries and you get up on stage and you can go, there's literally no way I could ever say this in a way that's confident enough to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like every mic, I mean, go to supportive mics, but also go to not supportive mics and learn how to sit in the silence because I feel like for me, learning to not care that that translates to good shows. Because yeah. like, even on a good show, I have a problem right now, I think on stage, or for good shows, I have this energy of like, this means so much to me and I want it so badly. And the crowd can read that and they don't like that. Yeah, it's so, like a self-destructive. Yeah, I come out right, and I feel like yeah. there's just like this like eager earnestness about me. Like, I want this so badly. I really hope it works. And I, people don't like that. People want you to go on and kind of have a fuck you attitude. Like, I've had shows that I've come to and I haven't had a good show in a couple of days. And I'll go and I'll be nervous and hope I do well and not do well. And then I'll do a better show and then go to that exact show later and not care because... yeah it's like batting with weights on or something. I go in and I have such a whatever happens, happens attitude and it goes way better because they want you to be calm and confident and cool and collected. Yeah. People even, can sense the tenseness. Even if you're, char- you're doing a character that's awkward. Like you look at something like Joe Para. Yeah. He is so, I mean, his whole vibe is uncomfortable, but it's, you trust him. Right. It's an uncomfortability that you trust. He's so, going somewhere with it that you're yeah. interested in. Yeah. You, you're you honest. Or someone like Jacob Williams is like quiet, quiet and awkward, but he has such a co- quiet command of the stage and such an incredible stage presence that it's like you can do awkward well. You can do uncomfortable and insecure well. But if it's if you're really up there and like shaking, <laughs> yeah. they'll know and they will And people like are scared it. for you. Yeah. And so that's I feel like good. you have to do like go do mics that are really shitty because it does kind of teach you something it teaches you that none of this matters you're all we're all gonna die <laughs> kevin hart's still gonna die so you've been doing this for four years and what have you learned in four years oh my god just the confidence do you have a I solid mean, uh do you have a solid half hour do i have a solid half hour i have like i have literally like one joke on paper that I would stand by unless someone told me it was bad, in which case I'd go, you're right. This sucks. So you have no material. (laughs) No, I have not one thing that I've said twice. No, I mean, I've definitely gotten better over four years. I'm not. I watched uh, a bunch of your uh, videos on YouTube. Oh, did you like that? I, I did some show prep. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you still booked me. So I guess you're... Yeah. Or maybe you went back and went, fuck. <laughs> this was a mistake. Yeah, I was, I was trying to text you, actually, not to come in. <laughs> and you, you did not get it. You no. were ignoring all well, of I was, my... Well, I was underground coming here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's okay. But uh, No, I thought you were very funny. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. I really try my hardest. <laughs> I try so hard. Sometimes people who don't know I'm a comedian like at work will be like, oh, you're funny. And I'm like, you have no idea how hard I try. <laughs> like, you cannot even begin to fathom how much effort I've put into that one quip. <laughs> Just years and years of honing. <laughs> who were your favorite? When you were uh, younger and you were watching comedians, what kind of comedian did you like? You know, I didn't grow up watching stand-up. And I feel like... I never really meant to be a stand-up. And then I, I, always, I love TV. I like truly, truly, truly love a 30-minute sitcom. I love... Yeah, it's comforting. I love a sitcom. I mean, even like I love... I say something like The Comeback. Um, like Lisa Kudrow's The Comeback. Veep. Yeah. Shows like, like... Oh, I love Veep. Like a genius, funny show like that. I That's always what I want to do. And that's always kind of been my end goal is to write a TV show. Mm-hmm. And then I just got into stand-up because I... They can't 
force you not to. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody can make you stop. There's no gatekeeper that <laughs> yeah, says you're not allowed to do this. If you put your name on a list in a bucket at an open mic, they physically cannot prevent you from getting on that stage. And so that was very appealing to me. And then it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's such a high. Nobody could prevent me not to do this. Yeah, no, literally nobody can stop me. And so that's the reason I'm doing this and nothing else because people have <laughs> said no pretty much in every other facet of this <laughs> industry. <laughs> but this is the one thing they can't make me shut up. So I'm still doing stand-up. But, um, I definitely have gotten more into, I mean, uh, yeah, I just like kind of got addicted on the way. And now it's funny. I look back and think about like the weird times my life intersected with stand up earlier, but it was never, I was never like the kid at seven who found a special and was just like, oh, this is it for me forever. Well, is there a comic that you kind of look to as a style uh, influence? Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember like the first comic I ever heard and was just like knocked over and loved so much was Maria Bamford. And I would not call, I mean, she is somebody who I thought was so funny that it made me not want to do stand up. Like, yeah. I was, it was one of those things where, like, people are always like, I love you. It's what made me want to do. It. And I'm like, wow, I watched her and went, I shouldn't do this. She's doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she is so funny. I could never be that funny. What's the point of trying? <laughs> but um, I'd say since I started, there's definitely like a lot of women that I'm like, oh, I love them. So, I mean, I, I love Nikki Glazer. I love Amy Schumer. Yeah. I love Lise Traeger. I look at, I remember seeing Megan Gailey in open, at an open mic the first time I ever did stand up. And being like, oh, I don't need to be here. Somebody's already doing exactly what it is I want to be doing. Yeah. Like, there's... Someone's already doing it a thousand better. times better. Yeah, I'm like, well, I could go home. It's being... The <laughs> story is being told. <laughs> but um, I'd say, yeah, a lot of it is, like, since the fact, like, people I love... And I'm not a screen... Like, I don't laugh at screens, so I'm not, like, a special person. But I'll go and watch, like, Stand Up at the Cellar or, like, Black yeah. Cat and stuff and just... Like, live comedy to me, I think, is, like, the most incredible thing. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's, like, electric. And it's hard for me to appreciate a good special. Like, to me, like, what makes stand-ups incredible is, like, how much control they have over the audience. Well, did you see the uh, the Adam Sandler special? No, I've heard it's great, though. Oh, it's so cool. People love it. I should watch it. It's really cool. You should definitely the watch it. The problem is I see so much stand-up all the time that I go yes. home, and it's just... I know, but it's, like, I'm never... In, like, I'm home at 11.30. I've just spent six hours watching it, and to, like... Yeah, take a I'm, night off, or if you have time, yeah. or if you're doing something else. Like, I, I think I had it on when I was doing something else, and I had it on, like, a different screen or something. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I was watching, and I didn't think... I would be blown away by a stand-up no, special. No, people you know? love it, right? I was like, whatever. But then you watch it, and wow, it's so original. You're like, how did they reinvent this medium? And it was so cool, and I was so impressed. It's Adam Sandler. Yeah. He's old. What are you doing? Uh, Grown-ups four. Like, you know, you didn't think there's anything <laughs> left. And then it was amazing. You're like, oh, shit, this is like... SNL Adam Sandler. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I have incredible. Heard, I should go back and watch. And it. then, because um, I mean, I don't sit there and watch specials, and then uh -huh. they come on because once you watch one thing, they start auto playing. Mm -hmm. You're like, what is this? Ray Romano. I just say Ray what's Romano his? kills. Me. I haven't seen a special yet. His special was great. I, I <laughs> he's. I went to some showcase recently, or like last year, like where they had a bunch of late night hosts, and then him. Yeah. And so it was like Jimmy. Oh God. All the Jimmies. One of the Jim. Not yeah, maybe. No, Seth Meyers. There we go. Okay. It was everybody but a Jimmy. It was Seth Meyers. It was um, Oliver. J John Oliver? John Oliver. I'm sorry. They all have Oliver the same. Oliver Twist? They all have the same stupid name. It's they so all hard. do. Yeah. John Oliver. And it was people like that. And I was watching them. And as a stand-up, every joke they began, I was like, well, I could tell you exactly where this is going to end. And then Ray Romano went up there. And I was crying. I was laughing. So like he was so good and I was like, "Whoa, that's a stand. That's somebody who's like just out there doing stand." It was so yeah. good. Well, cuz sometimes I feel like there's there's different kinds of stand up obviously and there's different kinds of people that tell jokes and some people are just they are the act. Yes. You know, they are like, like, their persona yeah. is just the act. It's everything about them, their life, 
how do they get out of bed in the morning? It's like this, like the tiniest little minutia is their act. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that just tell jokes, you know, it's and just then, like, yeah. I love ba-doom, a joke. Ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. I love something I didn't see coming. I love a yeah. twist. I love a, yeah. Yeah. How long do you spend in. writing jokes? Um, do you have like a joke writing formula? I like, I think what works for me is I'll write a few minutes of like, I'll just like write a few pages of what I think is funny and then I'll just start honing it at open mics. I'm a big, I have like a lot of stage fright, I think, and I have a lot of insecurities. So I try to get why do why do you have insecurities? Because I really want people to think I'm funny, and let me tell oh. you, a lot have not. <laughs> really? Um, oh, I've bombed a ton in my life. I mean, like I just, but so I like to go up and like something in the last year I've had to work on is kind of like being looser on stage and doing more crowd work. But I like to be like, here are the jokes I've whittled them down to literally nothing but the part that makes people laugh. And so I'll go, and it's like I start with like three minutes at an open mic, and over the course of two weeks, I just keep shaving away it's like i'll do it and i'll see what part people relate to and then i'll build on that and then it's really just whittling 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 down so like, like a 10 minute story turns into like a two truly, second joke literally like a just a descriptive word that i'll use somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's something that i'll like tack on later yeah it really c- boils down to nothing and then also i'm somebody who it's hard for me to maintain like an excitement like so i'll do a maybe a whole three minute story and when i first start telling it i'm really excited and it's funny because i'm having fun with it mm-hmm. but the more I tell it it's hard for me to maintain that kind of excitement and so then I had to look and be like well what words terrify like what's the joke here and then I'll like what can I keep long term in my mm-hmm. act and it'll be like one line yeah. <laughs> but that's the line that's actually a joke and it's like where the joke has to hold up despite my telling of it if yeah. that makes sense it seems like um, people who can because comedy uh, or being funny isn't just on stage anymore people are funny every, so they're funny on social media mm-hmm. they're funny on radio they're funny on TV and you do it you're really good at doing like the Instagram stuff thank you so much you're I've... all over the place with the jokes and like thank you it, it, it's some I, for me it takes it seems exhausting to me to when I have to do stuff for Weekly Humorist and I have to put up you know jokes or mm-hmm. cartoons or Instagram stories, I'm just like, oh, God, what a pain in the ass. But then other people, like you and, like, Rosebud Baker, like, you see, and uh, they just are constantly putting up hilarious things on Instagram stories. Well, I'm happy people like them. I'm always scared people are like, this bitch again. Get her out of here. That's funny. And I'm just, like, impressed by the amount of, like, creativity people have with, like, the medium. Like, it's not just standing up on stage and telling a joke. It's, like, being funny in that, like... I don't know how long an Instagram story is. I think it's like four seconds or five. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like short. People are really funny yeah, with like the stuff they put up. Yeah, and was, I have to say, I like, I love Instagram. I'm not great at Twitter. Like, and they're two very different. I think very, on Instagram, you very have the, visual. Yeah, on Instagram, you have the benefit of like a long-term brand where people, like I can be, yeah, I can use my face. I can do expressions. I can do photos. Yeah. exposition, whatever. Twitter's um, bare bones. Twitter, Twitter, I cannot tell you how many misses i have so how many times i've been like this is it this is this is the tweet that goes viral that gets me my show and then like four days later my mom was like this didn't make sense to me <laughs> did you only write half of the joke <laughs> yeah, she, this what are these words that you said and i'm like okay nobody nobody got did. that one um but yeah i don't know you just gotta keep throwing out there i keep owning i don't know do you know rachel senate she's a comedian she's an open micer but she is really great at she built a brand on Twitter and Instagram that are very consistent with each other and is very consistent with her stand up and is very consistent with like the sketches she puts out there and she's somebody kind of looks she's kind of in the vein of like a Kat Cohen or a Kate Berlant like that kind of comedy and she's really great and she has a following I had her on my podcast and people are like diehard fans of hers because every any way you interact with her you know exactly the type of person you're getting and she'll tweet like 10 times a day and they all do great and she's just really it's so consistent 
on brand. And I feel like that's what I always try to be like, what is my brand? And I think I'm better at being that on Instagram than I am on Twitter for Who whatever reason. I? But it is, it's weird. People like describe yourself in three words and I'm like, well, there's what I think I am. Then there's how I actually come across. And yeah. You have to figure out a way to marry that and condense it and consolidate it and then have every joke you do somehow be. Yeah. The, yeah. Be like a symptom of whoever you think that real person i don't know it's hard well it's kind of like how um like colbert his tweets are very good Mm -hmm. and they're always very on brand they're always very like the setup is very one way and then the punchline is totally a Mm -hmm. a right turn and that's every time but they're also very smart like they're always very satirical but i mean he had that whole thing where he had to go from being colbert the republican to colbert the late night host and that was like he had to redefine his brand and it's so easy to i think to have a brand that's a parody yeah because it's already built in for like once you pick what you're parodying the brand is there. Yeah. And then to be, I don't know, to consolidate the human that is yourself. I had an English teacher one time say like the hardest thing to describe is your own face because you know it so well. Yeah. And so I do think that that's like part of the struggle as like a online comedian is figuring out your brand and being able to take whoever you are and like put it in a box and then put it next how, to you. How, how did you uh, describe your own face? How would I describe my own face? I mean, how did you answer the question? I, I mean, it, it was a theoretical, it was a philosophical oh. point about how when you're say, too close I to... I just say amazingly handsome. Yes. Classically good looking. Dashing. Perfect. <laughs> if that's in one ideal. word. Ideal. Ideal. The platonic ideal of a face. <laughs> Don't even, there is no physical face there. It's just the general populace's vision of yeah. beauty. Exactly. That's my face. <laughs> well, I thought we were talking about my face. That's your face. That oh. was me. I said my as you. That was me. My first person was your first no, person. No, I'll agree with you. I was in. That's fine. <laughs> I would describe my face as a long potato. <laughs> okay. I on, on Reddit, people come after me a lot. For really? Uh, what do you post on Reddit that gets Nothing, the attention? Nothing, but I was. <laughs> tan- people just write about you on Reddit? I was Reddit? tangentially on a, in a come town sketch. Are you familiar with that podcast? Yes. So I was, and they have a rabbit fan base. Yeah. And so I was in 10 seconds of a come town sketch that was put out last, sep- like not even this most recent September, the September before that. And so it'll still come up sometimes. It's like, I'm part of like the canon now. They'll be like, is this girl hot? And then 400 incels are like, no. <laughs> but people in there have been like, that girl has a head like a rhombus, which I'm like, I get it. And then somebody else goes, her head looks like a peanut. <laughs> and I was like, it does. <laughs> people on Reddit are weird. They're vicious. People yeah. are very mean. I put up things uh, for Weekly Humorist, and it's, it's comedy. It's a, it's a comedy website. It's legitimately funny. There's people who are professionally funny making the content. Put up something. It's like the meanest things people can write. And you're like, who are you? Like, what? What are you talking about? This isn't even like an arguably, this is a joke. It's funny. You can, I guess, not like it. But you, I mean, like, the people are just evil. People are vicious. I, uh, I, had a, I did a comedy show one time. Do you know Ian Finance? Mm-mm. I he's a comic. He works the cellar a lot. He's great. He's all he's like a real New York all over the place. Does every radio show. Does a lot of shows. He's got a mustache and a bike, and he's like a real character. And I uh, like mustaches. I did a show with him in like real rural kind of coal mining Pennsylvania for a bunch of like sixty five year old white dudes who in like some small town near where he was from. And I I opened and it I wouldn't say it was a bomb. It was something like I came off very disappointed, but. <laughs> but it wasn't like I got no laughs. It just took me a minute to get them on my side. And then even when they were on my side, they were like, prove it every time. You know what I mean? It was really like they were laughing at each joke they thought was funny, which what was What jokes didn't they like? I don't, you know, I don't know. Your joke about uh, uh, comparing yourself to the pretty girl in the subway with the perfect blonde hair 
uh, but then she ends up being four years old. Yes. That's a great joke. <laughs> Thank you. And very I, funny. I feel like maybe they might have liked that one, but I, they hated my <laughs> Venus Williams joke. I don't know if you I thought that was a very funny they joke. They did not like that. And I feel like sometimes I have to be aware when I leave New York how I come across. I do think I, I think maybe to open in that kind of town when I have like my hair and makeup, like not hair and makeup, but like I can come across kind of like stuck up seeming and then to open with a joke about how I, my ex is dating a celebrity. Yeah. Maybe, but also I don't know, maybe it's just, well, lean into that. Be the stuck up. Uh, and that's the thing is because I don't feel like that's who I am. So I don't yeah, like leaning into it in true. New York. But then sometimes I do have to be conscious of when I'm leaving town that like what New York normal goes for New York normal is not yeah. normal anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like that's here, no, like everybody knows somebody who might know Venus Williams. But right. you go to Dairytown, Pennsylvania. And it's not, but also I think it comes off. I have a hard time. I think I, every set I start starts a little wobbly because I like do I like don't know how to like con- be like I, I like want them to like me so bad. You're like Bambi learning how to walk. Literally every, every time single you get on time, stage. every single time. <laughs> and I have one opener that I used to do really well because it was kind of self deprecated in a perfect way, but yeah. it stopped working recently. So now I'm like, fuck. How do I start every set? And I'm back to square one. <laughs> but it really is. I feel like every set it takes me almost thirty to 60 seconds to kind of get them on. I don't know how to like take the mic out of the stand in a like. Just say way. that you're here as part of a Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah, this wish. is it for me. This is my last night. Yeah, just be like, hey guys, just just be nice to me. This I'm just is, start and be like, hey, this trying. is my first time doing stand-up. That's the way to start. Yeah. Because then they're all very impressed. Right. They're on your side and impressed. But, uh... So I'd just be like, I did this on a dare. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see. I feel like even if I did that, that would be too flippant and unlikable. Yeah, like who does this person think they yeah, are? Like, a dare hey, just, getting like, up to talk in front of us. These people that like gave up their two hours of their night to be entertained. And I'm just like, this is a dare. I just thought I'd do it because I don't care. <laughs> and this isn't whatever, whatever. Like that's see, like I have to be very careful because yeah. I know that I can very easily slip into somebody. But then you look at someone like Natasha Leggero, and she like leaned into it. Like I'd have to either I'd have to either commit really really hard to it, or yeah. I have to, or in my mind I have to get so funny that they like me in spite of themselves. So you do a, a ton of comedy. How many days a week? A couple of days a week. I'd say almost. I'd say almost every day a week. And you know everybody. I know a lot of people. I'm pretty. I've, you get around. I do know a lot of people. <laughs> I chat. I'm chatty. You're chatty. <laughs> and you meet people at the mics. Mostly? Yeah, at the mics at the shows. I'd say. At, I mean, every time you do something, there's people there. You meet them every time. I'm for people listening, if you guys are looking to do stand-ups, a mistake I think I made early on was thinking that it was like work and that you could go to your mics, do your shows, and then go home and have a separate social life. Go to the birthday parties, hang out after the shows, go to the shows you're not booked on, and like meet people because they they have to be your friends. At the end of the day, almost everyone I know is more or less at the same level, and there's really no reason to book you over anyone else. People are booking the people they like. Yeah. People are booking the people that are friends with them. And people are booking the people that went to their birthday parties. And like, it sounds silly, but like, at the, like the, the minutia of who's better than who is so small that it really, that's what makes sense. And you have to meet these people because they will help you get better. They will put you on shows. They will. Yeah. There's, there's like a little, um, it's like a fraternity of comedians in New York. Yeah. You got to find yeah, your Everyone friends. knows everybody kind of. And like, network- oh, yeah, they're good. I yeah. know them. I've seen them. Yeah. And they people vouch, vouch for, for you. Exactly. Yeah. To have people vouch for you is huge. Just to have people like. I became really good friends with my best friend in comedy is this girl, Ashley Hamilton. And before I met her, I like didn't make that much content. And since meeting her, it's like because every time we're together, because we have identical goals of like we always want to be creating and writing and doing stand up. We're never just hanging out. It's always like, what's a good idea for a podcast? What would be a funny sketch? Like everything we say, we are like thinking about it through the lens of how could we use this for comedy? And it. Just it's like, all about content. content yeah, and it king. really does help you put out, and then it's just somebody to keep you accountable. It's important to make friends. That would be like my number one piece of advice to people: like start, 
don't immediately just and curse everybody out. Yeah. Well, yeah. honestly, I think it is hard. You get in and you're like insecure and you think you're better than everybody and you also think you're worse than everybody and you sit in the back and everybody seems to know each other. But you just got to keep going and sticking out and eventually people will start to be nice to you. And you, But you have to make the effort. You have to show up and yeah. make the effort. And it's also, it takes a unique person to, to want to get up on top of a stage in front of a bunch of strangers and talk at them for 10 minutes and make like and, a megalomaniac and like open their entire you know the vulnerability of their lives to make these strangers laugh at them it's a type of person and yeah. that type of person they gravitate together and they get each other more than like a, a regular person would get you and also i just even think it's beyond just the like the compatibility of the personalities it's like I had a boyfriend when I started comedy and it, we had to break up just because like all I wanted to talk about was open mics. All I wanted to talk about was jokes. All I wanted to talk about was who getting what. And even just like, not even just in the theoretical, the art of comedy, but like who was hosting what open mic and was it good and what when did I get put up and all the beef. And like, I mean, it's going to become, if you really seriously pursue it's it, gossip. it's going to become your whole world and yeah. it's going to be what you want to talk about because it's all, I mean, it's like anything else. You want to talk about the thing you're thinking about and doing and yeah. you have to have people that you can talk to about it. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's going to be... Uh in a relationship, I, the partner has to be su- very supportive mm-hmm. of, of the comedy people. Yes. Because it's, like it's like your whole world. Yes, exactly. It's, um, it's not like being some lame doctor. No, that's you know? stupid. You, and leave that's it, not, you leave it at the hospital. People die and you, you go home and have dinner and you talk about sports or something that matters. Exactly. You turn it off. <laughs> comedy, 24-7. It's very important work. Well, it's like 24-7 because it's also 0-0. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I was explaining to people, I'm like, it's so bizarre because on the one hand, I'm always busy. And on the other hand, I literally have nothing I need to be doing. Like, <laughs> if I stop, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's truly always a mic. There's always a script. There's yeah. always, like, writing to be done. There's, like, yeah. literally every minute of the day, there is something I could be doing for comedy. And yet, if I never did another minute of comedy for the rest of my life, not one person would miss me. Like, it's like nobody needs me to be anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like a job. Like, no one's depending on you to bring yeah. hilarity. And into I think lives. I do have a boyfriend now, and I feel like he's always confused because he's like, When will you be free tonight? And I'm like, I mean, I could be free right now, <laughs> but I'm or not. I could be free tomorrow. Like, I mean, truly, like, I'm like, I yeah. could do a mic at six and a mic at eight and a mic at 10, and then go home and write and then listen to all my sets, or I could do none of it. It literally does not matter to anybody but me. <laughs> And it's how often do optional. you do all of that? I would say, I would say for like a good two years, I was minimum getting on stage three times a night. A night? I yes. was gonna. I thought you were gonna say a week. No, I definitely think that now that I'm getting booked on more shows and I have more like other projects going on, mm. I let myself off the hook because I just like I work full time. And right now, me and Ashley were editing our web series that we just shot. So like, Saturday, I think I saw some of that on Instagram. Yeah. So we what's were, that I, about? Um. It's about what's the premise or like what's the, what, like what's that about like why are you guys doing that? <laughs> what's the premise? The pre- it's called Bitchnesses. It's about just two bitches running a business, and it's okay. about me and Ashley, and we have an Instagram consulting firm, and uh, we're idiots. So it's tough. It's tough for us to run a business because we're stupid. And yeah, a lot of hijinks ensue. We don't make a lot of money. What kind of clients does this pretend? So what? Uh, so the premise is that we help companies pick mo- models to promote their stuff and we come okay. up with the concepts it's almost like an ad like a modern day ad agency um after we wrote the scripts i realized it's almost exactly like detroiters that was just on a, on a comedy central mm-hmm. it's that but for instagram with girls i literally was watching i was going oh boy <laughs> it really if i had not seen this already i would have thought we stole it um it's pretty much that and then so i think the first episode is uh we were like losing out to a bigger better yeah agency that's like really capitalizing on diversity so they're like photoshopping all their models fatter 
to be body positive and then so they're photoshopping the they're not hiring bigger no, people. no 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 they're just they're picking just models that they're making bigger <laughs> and they're using our models and so they win this big campaign and we don't know what we're gonna do and then last minute we realized that they're taking one of our white models and putting her in blackface and we're like don't what? do this it's blackface and so we go in and save the day and so like it's like silly stuff like that it's just it's like you didn't think this was wrong. It's like that dub yes. soap. Exactly, exactly. Like, like the when whole dub they soap take campaign. Off the, yes. Yeah, when they wash off the woman's race, it's bad. And or, that made it through. It's unbelievable what people say yes to. I mean, well, it's funny because every week we're trying to think of the most insane things we could think of for this, and it all came true. So that was we came up with that, like them putting a lot of bronzer on a girl to pretend make her look black, so yeah. that they could get the diversity pick for ad campaigns. And then of course there was that whole thing where all these like Swedish girls were doing blackface ostensibly. They were like pretending to be mixed race women on Instagram. Wow. And that bit was like a whole scandal that people were going through and being like, hey, to all the followers of this model, she's not black. She's crimping her hair, dyeing it brown, and then bronzing a lot. Like this is a white woman who wow. has gotten work done to seem more racial. And so it was, we were like, I can't believe that came true. And then we had another one where we invented the product um, Fit Fam Vineyards, which is a diet wine. That's a real thing. I mean, it was, and there was like a couple others where it was just like we could not think of anything crazy enough yeah. that people won't do. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's also the problem with uh, some of the, the satire stuff and people are writing for like political stuff. They, they try to be really crazy and then six months later, it's, it's just true. It's worse. And you're like, wow, this our thing isn't even slightly pushing the envelope anymore. Well, I, uh, I'm a huge reality TV fan. Like, I love The Real Housewives. I love all of like Vanderpump Rules. I love all those Bravo shows. Yeah. And I am a firm believer that you cannot parody them because they're so insane and somebody did it's true casey wilson and daniel schneider who are now have like a po- pretty famous podcast try to do something called like the hot lo- hot wives of tampa or yeah. something and it's just it didn't take off and i really believe because it's it's not crazy enough th- there's just no way you can out crazy insane people like yeah. they're truly insane like burning love was really funny which was like a parody of a, like a bachelor type show and it was funny but it's still not as crazy as the bachelor the only know? person i've son- seen do a good ver- job kind of satirizing them was I- nathan for you did a really funny i love nathan he did an episode where to try to find love he creates a re- but he's not parodying the show he's satir- like I think you you can satirize but he's you can't satirizing parody. it and he's using h- real humans to interact yes. with his crazy idea and that's where the comedy is a lot like you know Sasha Baron Cohen doing exactly, it it's yeah. using real people to and make it funny I feel like funny. he's not making fun of like the people as much as he's making fun of like the obsession with the fame like you know what I mean yeah. Ex- exposing the obvious tr- he's exposing the truths of that show that the yeah. show denies which is as all, like, as all the TV developers will say um, he's holding up a mirror yes 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 <laughs> a real mirror and it's like what he's are the you're not mirror. here for the right reasons <laughs> I've been to some I've been in you know a lot of TV development meetings there's always that someone says holding up a mirror that's so funny at least like five times in a pitch it's good I say it. <laughs> it's like shorthand now. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we like that. It's like a buzzword. Yeah, mirrors. yeah. Hold mirror. I love mirrors. People. Honestly, hold it up or don't. I, there's, I've never seen a mirror I wasn't excited to look at. <laughs> that's good. That's that's part of your persona. Yes, yes, yes. Being very self-absorbed. And it's funny, you know what? Yes, very self-absorbed. I went on Jim and Sam, and Sam made you fun of me. You should bring a mirror on stage. Um. Maybe I will. Maybe a little handheld. <laughs> just be like, oh, sorry. And every time I need like a minute, <laughs> I'll just. It's like the old mirror. school Craig Kilborn. I don't know if you ever saw Craig Kilborn. He used to host the Late Late Show, like two hosts ago, and his and he was he was like a tremendous. He's his character was this huge huge douchebag. Uh, he used to be on ESPN. People didn't like him there, but he was like very smarmy, but like 
pretty. He was a very handsome guy, but very vain. And he had like a he would hold up a mirror in between so the TV commercials, and they'd catch him. He'd be like, "Oh, hello." He would be doing his hair, but I mean, that was his entire shtick. Yeah, much, but it's I'm always wild because people don't get com- like. I mean, there's surely no. I feel like there's no extreme you can push it to that people there's people out there being like mad legitimately like they don't yeah. get that i'm kidding and right. I, like i'm doing it self-aware like i'm literally on a stage telling joke the things that people have taken well, seriously people are very uh mean to women yes well that was the other thing like, i think it'd be a good a uh, good opportunity for me to mansplain how yes, yes, yes. the audience is mean to female That's, no you bring up a good point that i hadn't considered and i appreciate that no problem <laughs> no but it's true because i was a lot of people on that show were saying i interrupted and i talked too much and i finally had a friend go claire these people just think that anytime a woman is talking <laughs> it's like too much you yeah, maybe you should pipe down a bit, Claire. <laughs> this interview with you is just going to be me from now on. That's honestly reasonable. <laughs> so you have a podcast. Yes. What's your podcast? It's called, called Hold On One Second. We're talking about Britney Spears. Is that what it's called? It's, uh, it's a long title. You know, Do you abbreviate that title? Yeah, to the we have the acronym H-O-O-S-W-T-A-B-S, which is a little bit easier to remember. Is it? Is it? <laughs> no. Um, we really thought it'd be funny to have this name that nobody could remember, and now we're like on episode 62 and being like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could market this? <laughs> but we, you know what? Mistakes were made, and we just have to... <laughs> To us, it gets funnier every single week. We're currently doing a limited edition review of the Lindsay Lohan reality show. So right now we're doing, hold on a second, we're talking about Britney Spears presents Lindsay Lohan's Beach House 3 cap series. <laughs> I read an article about that show, the Lindsay Lohan show, and they the, it was like in like a legitimate newspaper. It was like a Wall Street Journal reviewing the show, and they were like, uh, this show's really sad. Yes. Yeah. I will say it's sad and it's chaotic and... It's not good. It's truly, um, as a real connoisseur of reality TV, there's no there's no consistency. There's no game. It's like, the way I describe it is I one time heard the story about when people are trying to become Navy SEALs. Okay. They'll like send them on like a 13-mile run, and then they'll do this thing where they'll punish the guy who came in last, they'll punish the guy who came in first, and then they'll pan- punish some random guy in the middle just to let you know that the world is chaotic and evil, and there's no way you can really be prepared enough for war. That yeah. You can do your best, but there is no justice. There is no fairness there's no in yeah there's war no and life yeah and that's how i think of lohan's beach house <laughs> like i watch this show and i just go nothing makes sense she is <laughs> on a d- okay she went five weeks just being mad sometimes she brings in new characters one time she fired somebody five minutes later she brought that girl back and just fired her friend like it's so insane in a way that like you can't figure out what's going on there are no stakes and there are is no reason. There's no challenge. There's no every week doesn't have. There's no ending. There's no. It doesn't make any okay. sense. And it's and it's what really becomes clear though, is how like deeply damaged Lindsay is. Mm. One of the things is she has these VIP client, but she has VIP hosts, and they're supposed to take care of the clients at her beach house, like the rich clients. And every single week, there's like mild prostitution. The first week, the guys expected to hook up with the girl to keep her happy. The next week, another guy's... Ex- I mean, like, they're all being cored out constantly and the fact that, like, this is... This was okayed for TV. It's just, like, shows you how damaged Lindsay is that yeah. she thinks this is how business is done, that there's just... Of course somebody's going to hook up with you. <laughs> like, if you're a client... And like, they say that? Like, your job is to... They don't say that, but they say your job is to keep them happy yeah. and then Whatever they'll hook up. takes. Yeah, and then they'll hook up and then Lindsay will be like, I'm glad that you did what it took. And you just go, oh, this is this was her life was just this like her basic understanding of life and like transactions and business is that people are having sex. (laughs) So that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's still a bad show. Not a good show. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. Do you watch the survivors? No, 
I used to, I watched that when I was when it first started, and I watched the. I keep on waiting because they keep on saying like because like speaking of stakes, it, it's always like the mo, more extreme version of Survivor. This year on Survivor, it's like it's, everything's we're changing the rules and it's going to be crazy. And I feel like everyone's just waiting for someone to die. Since the very beginning of Survivor, they're just waiting for something terrible to happen to somebody. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, that's the fun of Real Housewives. Of every once in a while, you'll get a husband who's secretly bankrupt commit suicide, and the, like that's like one of those weird shows where like, like it all goes back to like wild. people are just watching NASCAR. They, they yes. just, they're waiting for a car to explode. Yeah, you know? like people just are just waiting me. for an accident. Not if that's how I feel when people come to my comedy. And they're just they're waiting close. for you to fall off the stage. They are. They will get it. Let me tell you. One day I will just <laughs> die. I'll get up there. And Everybody be like, has I can't to come to the guaranteed delivery show March fifth in one week at one ten Wall Street at the mailroom. And it'll probably be the day I die. <laughs> and Claire Parker is going to fall off the stage, and everyone has to come and see it. Humiliation. It's going to be great. Just trying to like putter my way through a set yes. and just trip and die. We're going to make you do it like on a pogo stick. Your entire <laughs> set, you have to be balancing on a beam or something. It's going to be juggling fire. It'll be fun. Yeah. We got to throw in some danger. You know, everybody wants an element of danger. An element. And that's like a great, everything has to have like a pitch. Everything can never <laughs> just be like a comedy show. It's always like a comedy show where every comedian will bring on their favorite stuffed animal from the fourth grade. And you're just. I was talking to, I think it was uh, Tom Takar. And I, I ran into Tom, him yeah. at uh, Union Hall. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a show downstairs. I was leaving a show and they were putting another show in. And the show that I was at was called Serious Matters, which is a very, very funny film, a very funny show, once a month. Serious Matters, Union Hall. Um, and I was leaving. And Tom Takar was coming in and he was booked on a show. And like he had to put together like a PowerPoint presentation. And they had to do all this stuff. And he was like, Yeah, I had to do this the show. And I had to have, I had to have like a presentation I have to make. He was like, Oh, I wish I could just do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I, I just, like, can just tell jokes. That's one of the things I've learned too is like never fall for the, if you're a young comedian never fall for the theme because I've done shows where they're like it's about your hometown and I'm like scrambling the morning of to do 10 minutes about my hometown and then I get there and everyone's just doing their set yeah. so everybody's really funny and then I get up there and I'm like here's some ideas I came up with this morning because I thought that there were rules here. Do you know what I mean? Like I tried I showed up on theme. It is it's always crazy to me that people think that they could put together a comedy show and ask, and it'll be better when people come less prepared. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Tom Dakar has a special on Comedy Central. Like, l- how about we let him decide what? Yeah, is just funny. let him do his jokes. He's been working really hard on these jokes. He's very I bet funny. they've gotten yeah. somewhere. He's I bet got he has some jokes. He's, I, he does very well. Yeah. Let's hear his jokes. I bet if he thought a PowerPoint presentation would be the funniest thing he could do, <laughs> he would have already been doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to book a comic, let them be a comic. Yeah. You know, don't make them uh, like. But I do feel like you have to play that game to stand out in the city because there's so much comedy and you're trying to get the Time Out New York review and you're trying to get, you know what I mean? You're trying to get yeah. all of the plugs and all of the things. There's a funny show that my friend John uh, John Zeller produces a show that does get to the Time Out a lot and his twist is it's uh, people can bring their dogs to the show. Oh, that's it's like... It's called The Good Dog Show. And the show is good and the show always sells out and the dogs are very well behaved. Are they? Yeah. I've been... That's it's, incredible. I, I've only been twice because in the future after that, it's been so sold out I can't get in. That's amazing. And uh, but the dogs are very cute. They just sit there and people do their jokes and no one barks and mm, it's fine. That's all. I uh, there's That's a the hook. there's a cat at Creek in the Cave that just lives there. That just lives there and sometimes will pop on stage and it's funny. I mean, it's a nightmare as a comedian because like you're trying to do your jokes and you really just don't even understand what the comp- the audience is laughing at this point. And yeah, it's, you have no idea because there's a cat behind you. <laughs> So that's kind of a nightmare, but people, uh, there's a good open mic at the Creek and Cave, isn't there? I love. Okay, oh, so speaking of open mics, I started doing a lot of the Creek and the Cave open mics. I think for a while I wasn't going just because there was a lot in Brooklyn, and now I've returned. Creek and the Cave is a great staple. They 
they're great because they're every day at six. There's a lot every day at six and eleven, so you can always count on them. I feel like logistics are a really weirdly hard part of stand up. Yeah, open mics is just being like, which mic when it's free? If I go and sign up, will there be room for me? There's always a spot for you at six p.m. and eleven p.m. at the Creek. Yeah, and it's great. It has a mix of. I mean veterans new people it's a fun mix i like it i love the creek so um, you were on uh you up yes with uh nikki glazier mm-hmm. and you've been on that before yes so how did that happen i met how nikki- does one become a, a celebrity comedian on the worldwide satellite <laughs> radio um well for her, well i met her just through comedy through ian finance actually i met okay. we had that mutual friend and we met one night and we like really just hit it off we had a crush on the same guy we both had we both are very similar in that we will talk about almost anything to anybody. We're both very open and we just got along super well. And um, she invited me on her show. I guess she gets to bring whoever she wants on it every day. I mean, she truly is my dream job to be able to just talk to your friends every morning yeah. and get paid to do it. Is, I can't think of anything funnier or funnier. I can't think of anything more fun. But so she had me on it and I had been doing a podcast for, I guess, a year at that point. So I had a little the bit The same of Britney Spears? The Britney one. Yeah, we've been doing that for over a year. Yeah. So at that point, I've been doing it for a while, and I feel like I went, and they liked me, and so they keep having me back. I, and it's been that's awesome. It's been so fun. I mean, it's truly like one of the highlights of my career thus far. It's really fun. It's a, it's a great credit. It is. It's, it's a, huge, and it's. I mean, it's just like so much fun to just get up there and talk and have people listen and interact with you afterwards online. And I bet they have a nice office there at the Sirius XM. Yeah, they have a beautiful studio, and it's cool. There's always a lot of celebrities there because yeah. people are coming in and being interviewed. It's a ton of fun. Her producer Noah is great. She's another producer Jen, and like it's they're great. And then there's it's always fun to meet the other comedians that she has on there. Yeah, to get to meet the other people like Andrew. Andrew Collin is great. But I meant like today. I love. I'm a huge Mike Beckione fan, and he was. And so I got to meet him through that, and that was really great. I'm trying to think who else. I've met. I mean, I really know Tom Takar. Yeah. Well, because of that show, he is so funny. He's so funny. He has uh, one-liners that are just when he kills. starts talking about corn. Ah, it's He's hilarious. So funny and, and he goes and from passionate. so yeah. no, he goes from so uh this normal temperament mm-hmm. to like angry scream. Yeah, like, he's got a deep anger. In oh, him. it's great. <laughs> and it, but it's like he can go from talking about something so serious like his dad abandoning him or you know what I mean like hating his stepdad to then like corn and it's yeah. so silly and so dark and so funny. And he's such a nice guy. He's so yeah, he's, he's great. Such a nice guy. I love Tom. I'm trying to think who else I've met on that. I've had like a lot of fun on that show. I feel like meeting people. But uh, yeah, it's been a great time. Oh, uh, Chris DiStefano, I've I got to do it with once. He's hilarious. Yeah, they have a lot of. I mean, like you just get to hang out with top I mean, comics. Yeah, it's really just hanging out. It's been great. that's fun. It's really fun. It's radio. I love radio. Oh God, if I could do one, th- I would. I think I would take radio over TV. I just the, you don't have to get dressed. There's and there's almost no prep work. You really just show up and chat with your buddies. <laughs> and you can like sound, you know, good looking. So mm-hmm. you would do well on television. Oh, thank you. But and radio on radio, I could just tell them. But I'm people like me, me, I could be on radio and I could just sound handsome, yeah. you know, and that would be it. That's all you need. Yeah, that's. I mean, if podcasting is so fun, I love. I'll show up anywhere and talk to anybody. So for um, I you have to tell an awkward or cringeworthy story. Okay. So uh, tell me something that that happened. Probably let's do stand up something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was like the worst stand up? Uh, uh, doesn't have to be a horrible bomb, but like, what was the worst thing that happened to you on stage? I really, oh my god, the worst thing that happened to me on stage. Well, I've like embarrassing, and I have like frustrating as a comedian. I feel like recently I was on stage, and there was two comedians off stage who were talking so loudly, and they were making each other laugh so loud that I couldn't hear myself or the audience. So I had to just like do the whole set deaf almost. Do you know what I mean? And that was yeah. awful. But I think I was I did that set for Ian Fidance. Oh, you know what I did? I got to do sets for Jim Norton at Caroline's. And 
I had six and I would say I had one good one, two okay ones, and then three just really rough ones. And I don't know if you've ever shown up to a sold out show of 350 people who were like excited to laugh and not been able to, but it is (laughs) not been able to fucking brutal. (laughs) It was tough. And I would look down and it was just like, I remember there the front table was like eight bald Staten Island garbage collectors who were all in their like fifties and they were just looking up at me. They were jacked as hell and saggy. And I was like, wow, you guys do not care about what I like. I'm up there being like, I get fired a lot. And they were like, we wish you were dead. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing we want to hear. So I've had, I mean, I've had some bombs where I've just been like, you just gotta keep going. Just push through. I've had sets that have gone well and then I end on a suicide joke and I've had sets that are, everybody's laughed at every joke and then I do that and I don't know if you ever brought 300 people to silence with a joke. <laughs> 300 people. I've heard that joke. I thought that joke was good. Some people don't like it. Um, I mean, I do it because I like it and some people like it but yeah. sometimes it is such a miss and I had a set where I had four and a half minutes. It was great. I was like, oh, this is the tape I'm going to use. I left. I just stood there and normally if you stand on stage long enough, they'll laugh. <laughs> But yeah, I gave them I gave them 20 seconds and then I went, well, I guess I got to go. <laughs> well, I guess that's over. <laughs> it's just it's amazing how your words can bring people up and then bring them down so quickly. Yeah. Like it's like shocking to see they just stopped in their tracks. Yeah. <laughs> the night was ruined until I got off the stage. I've uh, I've bombed and had old that when I did that set with Ian, I had an old man tweet at me later and go, the problem was your jokes are terrible. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a man who can't figure out how to upload an avatar to Twitter tweet heckle you, but it is that takes some effort too. Yeah, I'm like, to how like did you hunt get you down here? And to like write on a social media platform later about how something earlier you said was disappointing to him. It was. Uh, I have and he goes, a the other like girl did goldfish, it, and she yeah. was great. So that was yeah. Right? You'd think he would have let it go. <laughs> I just forget. I forget immediately. This guy hated me so much he got online. He had to call up his grandson and say, you explain this bird app to me. I need to learn how to use this entire social media platform so I can yell at Claire Parker about her not being funny. And it stuck with me. That was like a year ago. And I'm still like, oh, no. But uh, I mean, the thing about me that I think has I'm allowed sure people quietly appreciate your humor. Also. So I did Jim and Sam. And I've never had more hate online. I had like truly hundreds of people between Instagram and Twitter tell me how much they hated me and how listening to the sound of my voice made them want to kill themselves and how they had to turn the dial and that was the worst thing that had ever happened to radio. What? Um, but then I would have like people privately DM me and be like, I thought you were really funny. And I'm just like, okay, can you say this though so other people can hear it? <laughs> because right now if you Googled my name, it seems like everybody that's ever heard my voice wanted to die. So you need to like, because <laughs> people are so public with their hate and then private with their support. And I'm oh. like, I appreciate when people DM me and they're like, this is funny. But I'm like, if you could tweet it somewhere where other people could read it. <laughs> yeah. Could you do that out loud, please? Yeah. So that your, your friends can see. Everyone's deeply ashamed. I, I know I've had someone say, hey, one day if you ever get a special, I'll get be at home cracking up. And he goes, but I'll never laugh at you in public. And I was like, well, that's probably why I'll never get the special. <laughs> Claire Parker, everybody. I think you're very funny. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Jeez. I give it my best shot. We're going to see what happens next week. Now yeah. I'm worried. I know. You know, I mean, I do. I <laughs> I do my best. You're going to be like, okay, Marty, you didn't see this online, but now I do hand puppets. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I love that a prop comic. I've got melons to smash in front of the audience. You guys in the front should put on some plastic. I will say, I do feel like that would be a safer. Do you know what I mean? I kind of feel like Just that's always Gallagher. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Carrot top. Yeah. 
prop comic. I might stop doing comedy altogether and just get up. If I could do a backflip, I wouldn't have had to do this. If I could get up on stage and just like do a handstand for I a minute. I wish I could juggle, you know. I'm a real acrobatics But fan. you would much rather just be on television anyway or, or be, be a TV writer. I think yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have to say now that I've started stand-up, I don't know that I could ever quit. It's such a Oh, don't say guy. that. Don't be like addicted to it like all these stand-up people. I, really, I mean, I would like, my, I would love to still write for TV, but I just like can't imagine there's ever a time where it's like more than a week would go by where like I like itch to get on stage, you yeah. know? I know, I love it. It's, like, so hard. I just, like, want to be good at it so badly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I really, I'm like, god damn, I just, like, really would like to just be good at this. Like, I see, like, Ryan Hamilton, and I'm just like, god, you are so good. Or, like, Gary Goldman. Like, you just, like, watching me, I'm like, god, what is it like to be that good at this? To just always be able to make everybody in your wake laugh. Well, it's just, like, they get to a level where they're not even trying anymore. I know, and it's, incre- I mean, yeah, it's incredible. So that would be, I mean, I, I would like to just keep trying until I get there or die. Okay, well, one of those two things will happen. For sure. Claire, it's going to be great. <laughs> Stay and watch to find out. <laughs> yeah, give me another 30 years. <laughs> um, so you can see, uh, where are you performing this weekend? Anywhere? I think, people can I think your you show down. is right now. I'd have to look at my show, but definitely, definitely your show. Definitely go so to come, my show. Definitely go to the mailroom. Go to the mailroom. It's guaranteed delivery, 110 Wall Street, 8 p.m. on Tuesday, March 5th. It's free. There's a happy hour. The church is 6.30. Um, lots of funny people are on the show. A lot of them are my. Uh, I mean, Dan Andrew, Perlman is like one of my best friends. Um, yeah, he's it's gonna really be great. Funny. Andrew Colin, I love. We uh, just added Keenan Steiner. It's his birthday. Fun. So he's it's my brother's do it. birthday. I wonder if Keenan's my brother. Maybe <laughs> we'll find out at the show. Show up to find out. Show if up I have and a, find out. My brother has a twin. And uh, where can people follow you? I, you have two different names. I know this is it's a, very everything confusing. Everything in my so life tell everybody. is a branding nightmare. On Instagram, I'm Claire the Scare. That's where the good stuff is, honestly. Yeah. Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, the Scare. And then on Twitter, I'm sorry, don't Claire. If you find one of them, it's very easy to find the other one. Yeah. They're all connected yes. in some way. They're all tagged on each other. All right. Follow me. I'm at Marty Dundix and follow Weekly Humorist at Weekly Humorist. Uh, sign up for our weekly newsletters at uh, weeklyhumorist.com and go to the Guaranteed Delivery Show March 5th. Free tickets available. Go to guaranteeddelivery.tv. Uh, This podcast is sponsored by Swill. Go to GetSwill.com, a liquor store in your pocket. Use code FUNNY5 for $5 off your first order. Uh, This is Talkward. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on here, Claire Parker. This is so so much fun. Um, This is uh, is Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix. We'll see you next time. Bye.